We're going to start in Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14. I'm going to start a little different. I love the Word of God, and I love the foresight and the foreknowledge and the wisdom of God. That uh, when He moved upon people by His Spirit, holy men of old wrote as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So the Holy Spirit is the author of the Word, and the way that it was written, actually it was written with the cooperation of people. And so I wonder if I'm not cooperating right now or you're not cooperating right now in your life, what words from God that the Lord has in his heart for people to receive, but they're not able to do it because you think that you're not worthy to do it. You know, I just figure if the Lord could speak through a donkey, (laughs) you could say it in King James, if he could speak through, you know, I don't want to say in King James... (laughs) But you know what King James says. Well, then he could speak through me or speak through you. Even the Word of God says, if you don't start praising him, even the rocks will cry out. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Even the rocks are affected by the glory and the majesty and the power of God himself. So I'm going to like, you know, Raymond Singers and Band, we travel with Brother Hagin, and those guys are all together, and they had a song they used to sing, you know, I'm not going to let any rock outpraise me. Yeah. <laughs> no rock's going to outpraise me. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to lift my voice uh, to my God. And, uh, you know, like Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel. How could you be ashamed of the gospel? This is the best news in the whole world. This is the best message. uh, And we're carriers of that message and of the glory of God. What does that mean? Well, the glory of God is the manifest presence of God, the weightiness of God, the mightiness of God. Everything that God is and God has is contained in his glory. And he raised Jesus from the dead by the glory of the Father, by his own spirit. And so that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in the body of the believer because that spirit lives in your spirit. Actually, we have become one spirit with the spirit of God. So that if you could somehow like take a zipper and peel back my body and see my spirit, you'd see the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead that I have become and you have become a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. Pay attention. Everything has become brand new. Everything's brand new. So when those thoughts or those habits or those problems start coming back at you, you say, no, that's the old me. That me is gone forever. That me is dead. I am a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. You know, it doesn't happen automatic. It doesn't, the, the feeling of it, the experience of it's not necessarily automatic. Thank God for the times when, you know, all of a sudden just you feel like the anointing comes on you and you didn't do anything. The grace of God, the mercy of God. But what happens? Well, you feel like, well, just be quite frank. Maybe I shouldn't say it this way, but you kind of feel like an idiot that you did that. Well, you don't want to go by feels like. Because if you go by feels like, you'll, what, what happens? I love what David said. Lord, let the uh, words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. So you know, God is interested in more than just what we're saying, but what are we thinking? Why? 
Well, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So if I think I am an idiot, if I think that long enough, I am going to say what I, well, I might say, I am a, but if I keep thinking it, what am I going to do? I am an idiot. Well, what happens? Well, I had one violation in my own heart because the Spirit of God doesn't go along with something that's a lie. So I'm thinking a violation. In other words, I'm, uh, I'm going against what my own spirit and the spirit of Christ accept. Well, uh, you can yield to your flesh. And it's a sure lot easier to yield to your spirit if your mind has been transformed so that your mind will actually think the thoughts of God. Yeah. Well, if it hasn't been transformed, your mind's going to agree with your body. Mm-hmm. Do you understand? Like your body has certain desires. And, uh, you know, like my flesh would have a desire if I make like mistake or whatever, big mistake, my flesh would have a desire to say, well, that was a really stupid mistake. Yeah. And to side in with that. But if my mind is renewed with the word of God, well, then that renewed mind, I have been transformed, Romans says, like metamorphosis of a caterpillar to a butterfly. So that people would look and say, is that the same man? Is he the same person? There's something so different about him. What is that? Well, that's the life of God on the inside of me that I'm allowing to affect the uh, my mind and the outside of me. How do I allow it to affect my mind? Well, I feed on the Word of God. Jesus said, man w- should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So if I'm trying to live by what I think, like I think like that's horrible thing or something, you know. If I'm trying to live by that, well, then I'm going to start meditating that, and then my spirit's not going to go along with that. The Holy Spirit's certainly not going to go along with that. And so, but then I'm kind of violating that. Well, if I keep violating that long enough, what happens? It becomes a little bit easier to violate it with my mouth. Yeah. What happens after that? Well, it becomes easier to act it out. Mm-hmm. This is how we get caught up, yeah. uh, because uh, the Bible actually said casting down vain imaginations. What do they do? And everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Remember what? Remember my, one, my, Ephesians chapter 1, 17, 16, 17, 18. Paul's prayer for the church at Ephesus. So it exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Paul prayed for the church at Ephesus. Remember that prayer? And it would give unto you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in what? The knowledge of him. So Paul's praying that we get something that you can only get by the Holy Spirit. You know, Paul could have prayed, I pray that you'll have like great abundance so that you don't have to think about money. Like human prayers. (laughs) I pray that you get a new chariot. You know, Former day car. <laughs> I pray that your horse would not be lame. <laughs> but Paul prayed something, a different kind of prayer. You look Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 3, those are different kind of prayers. But you know those prayers, if you have a spirit of wisdom and revelation 
in the knowledge of God. King James, in the margin of my Cambridge King James Bible, it says, for the acknowledging of God. You get a spirit of wisdom and revelation in knowing him and acknowledging him. Well, what happens? He directs your path. Casting down vain imaginations and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Well, as soon as, because why? Well, the devil knows if he can get you not to have knowledge of God. No, you know, sometimes as you look that up, that's like knowing God intimately. Like not just on the surface. Like, you know, you know, uh, some politicians around here, maybe somebody, maybe some people know some of them very personally, like best friends or something like that. But for most people, you only know what you see on screen or what you hear on radio. Well, you don't really know that person. You know about that person. But Paul said, I want you to have, I think Amplified even renders it that way, an intimate knowledge of God. And then he said, by the Holy Spirit, you cast down these type of thoughts that try to put themselves higher than the knowledge of God. You ever notice the more conscious you become of the Lord by reading his word and fellowshipping with him in prayer, the more you see God in the world, the more you see his works, the more, I mean, you just look outside and you see like the creation, what he's created, and you know he's alive and well, and you know he's a good God, and you know he's a detailed God, and you know he's a planning God, and you know he's full of love. I mean, uh, Psalms 18, 19 tells us that. Uh, Romans tells us that. Romans chapter 1. You can just see by the creation itself the awesomeness of the Creator. And so um, over in Romans chapter 14, uh, we come to a place here where he's kind of talking about uh, some disputes that are happening among believers. <laughs> we're going to pick it up there, and uh, we'll see how far we get. Uh, we're going to start with verse 1. Oh, I want this Bible. <laughs> Romans chapter 14, verse 1. Welcome the man who is weak in faith, but this is a Barclay translation. Welcome the man who is weak in faith, but don't begin by introducing him to discussions about debatable matters. One man has faith enough to believe that he may eat all things, all kinds of food. Another who is weaker in faith feels compelled to, give, uh, to be a vegetarian. The man who believes that food laws are quite irrelevant must not look down with contempt upon the man who carefully observes them. And the man who carefully observes them must not think that he has the right to judge the man who thinks them unnecessary. For God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on another man's servant? It is by the judgment of his own master that the man stands or falls. And what is more, he will stand. I love this. You will stand, for God will make you stand. So he will stand, for the Lord can make him stand. So stop looking at people according to their ability. We already learned that. You've judged Christ according to the flesh, but we don't see him this way any longer. They judge him according to the flesh. Imagine what they thought. You know, thank God they got to see him after the resurrection. He spoke for them for 40 days concerning the things of the kingdom of God. And that's where we're going, in case you're wondering, that the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. 
But Jesus spoke to them for 40 days after he rose from the dead, after he took his very own blood into the actual, real, literal holies of holies in heaven and offered his own blood as a sacrifice. <laughs> That's quite a sight because the priests used to go in and they're bringing other blood of bulls, goats, animals, and they're going in with great fear. But Jesus, you know, I wasn't there. I'd love to see the video. Maybe they have it in hologram form or something. <clears throat> but I bet he went in there boldly with his own blood yeah. and offered it one time yeah. for all people. Yeah. Why? Oh, because then he could be, and then not only did he live, Paul said, and lived a godly, sinless life, but then he died and went to hell. Why? Because the word of God says so that he could be God, not just of the living, but also God of the dead. In other words, there's not a place that your existence could take you where Jesus has not already become Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. He's become Lord in life. He's become Lord in death. He became Lord in hell, and he's Lord in heaven. You can't go a place where Jesus is not Lord, and at some time, every knee will bow, and every tongue will actually come into agreement with that reality. That Jesus is Lord. We might as well start now. Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I don't even know where I left off. Okay. Verse 5, yeah. One man regards one day as more holy than another day. Another man regards all days alike. Each man must make up his own mind and reach his own conviction on such a matter. So don't get in other people's business. Just let them make up their own mind. <laughs> Walk in love, you know. If a man feels like that about a certain day, he does so with the honor of God in his mind. See how the Lord is always looking at your heart and your motives. If a man eats meat, he eats it with the honor of God in mind because he says his grace for what he eats. If a man does not eat meat, he abstains from eating with the honor of God in his mind. For he too says um, his grace to God. No man's life concerns only himself, and no man's death concerns only himself. If we live, we live for the Lord. Sin, oh, excuse me, in death, we die for the Lord. In life and in death, we belong to the Lord. You were bought with a price. You are not your own. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are the Lord's. In other words, you can't just do anything you want and you're saying, I'm glorifying God. Uh, your body doesn't even belong to you. And if you're married, your body doubly doesn't belong to you. It belongs to the Lord and to your spouse. The very reason why Christ died and came to life again was to make him Lord of the dead and of the living. As for you, why do you pass judgment on your brother, or why do you regard your brother with contempt? We shall all stand at God's judgment seat, for the scripture says, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall acknowledge me as God. Of course, we just quote it. So then, each of us will have to answer for himself to God. So then, let us resolve to stop passing judgment on each other instead of that. Let us resolve neither to place an obstacle in any Christian's way and never to do anything which would make it easier for him to go wrong. Now, I want to read that in King James because you know how much I love the King James. 
Let us therefore, verse 13, let us therefore judge, not judge one another anymore, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. In other words, I take that, I just say to myself, the same effort that you're taking to try and figure out why are they doing that, or don't they know that we have liberty in Christ? You can eat meat, you can eat vegetables, you can eat sweets, just don't be a hog about anything, you know, or whatever you want to say. <laughs> Brother Hagin used to say, I eat anything, a little bit of anything I want, but I'm not going to make a hog of myself over anything. Yeah. You know, you'll find it's the hardest thing on the flesh to stay balanced. Yeah. It's the easiest thing to be extreme. Isn't it weird? I mean, to me, it's very weird that it's easier for your flesh to be legalistic about the things of God and have all these rules and regulations and everything else, or just to say, there are no rules about anything, than it is to just, like, be balanced. <laughs> so I guess it's something of the flesh I just don't understand. But the same effort that we would take to try and figure out what our neighbor or friend or whoever, uh, they shouldn't be doing this, they should be doing that. Da, 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 da. No, no, he said, you take that same effort that you don't put a stumbling block in anybody's way. In other words, you don't want to be involved in helping someone stumble. You want to be involved in, I, I love it, Paul says it, I, I noticed it so much <laughs> over the last month, especially as I study the word, that He's all, all the time, especially in groups of people, see that you edify, see that you build up, see that you charge. Like, what you doing? Why, why are you going to do that? Is that going to build somebody up or is that going to tear somebody down? Like, like, what can I do to be a supply of edification to somebody? Because the devil is against all of us. And the devil is against even the sinners. The devil is not for them. They may feel like he's for them. No, no, the devil is for the devil. And he wants to get them. But even if he gets them, he is, he is selfishness, uh, can you say personified? Yeah. I mean, and he is evil personified. And he is not good. There is no goodness in him, the Bible says. And so uh, the devil himself, uh, but he's very deceptive. So he'll like make a cloud, so to speak, to make these things seem what? Righteous or Right. He masquerades as an angel of light, a messenger of light. In other words, that, that's why you see people like you think, how in the world could people think that way? Well, I'll, I'll tell you how, because they're not in the word. Because the devil masquerades as an angel of light. So his way of thinking and the thoughts that he'll put into people and the plans and schemes that he will put into people, well, it seems right in their own eyes, right? That's what the Bible says. Well, because the devil is the author of it. And um, he, he's trying to get people to respond to his wisdom. Okay, let's go. Verse 14. Uh, My Christian faith gives me the knowledge and the conviction that there is nothing which uh, in itself is impure. Only if a man thinks that something is impure, does it become impure to him. But if your fellow Christian is distressed because of the food you eat, your conduct is no longer based on love. You must, I was going to make a joke, you know, you're supposed to do things to make sure people stay alive. So I was going to say like, you know, last night we had Brussels sprouts and somebody was really concerned. Just kidding, but I'm just kidding. <laughs> you, you must not let what you eat, I love the Brussels sprouts, whoever brought them, they're very good. You must not let what you eat become the ruin of the man for whom Christ died. Look at how he's saying, like you're dealing with like food 
and Christ died for this person, and you're stumbling over food, and you're, you're going to cause somebody to not come to God or be off offended because of your thing with food. Well, we're talking meat and drink and food, but you know he's talking a whole lot more things than that. There are a lot of things that many people in this room know of the kingdom of God and of the world to come and have experienced these things. But you have somebody come in and they haven't experienced these things. Well, you, you could just be like real like uh, dogmatic and harsh and not even make room for someone to grow and to learn. I mean, someone gets born again, they're like a baby Christian, you know. And you wouldn't leave Fenton out in the, in the rain and say, hey, why are you out getting wet? Come in, come in the building. No, you would go help him come in the building. Open the door for him. Stand out of his way because he might be out of balance, you know. Verse 15, but if your fellow Christian is distressed because of, food, of the food you eat, your conduct is no longer based on love. You must let, uh, excuse me, you must not let what you eat become the ruin of the man for whom Christ died. You must not do the right thing in such a way that it gets you a bad reputation. So you could do the right thing. You ever seen that? You know, 1 Corinthians Chapter uh, 13 tells us about this. You know, if I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not love, it profits me nothing. If I have all revelation or if I have all faith so that I could remove mountains or if I have all knowledge but don't have love, what? It amounts to one translation, my favorite says, absolutely nothing. Like you add it up on a scale, empty. <laughs> but you did also, you do the right thing. Uh, even, you know, you could prophesy for the Lord, but not do it in love. How about that? But you'll have more opportunities to do that if you walk in love because it's the same spirit. For the kingdom of God does not consist in eating or drinking, uh, eating or not eating, and in drinking or not drinking. It consists of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. In other words, what, what is the kingdom of God? The kingdom is in you when you become born again. The kingdom has come to live inside of you. The king inside of you is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God has come near you, Jesus said to his disciples. Well, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Well, what is righteousness? Well, it's just that you're right with God. You can think of that. You're right with God. In other words, my um, grandmother, my mother's side, and she'd come to church. There was an old, uh, old uh, I think he was Pennsylvania Dutch man. He used to come to the church, and he would say, her name was Violet. And he would say, Violet, how's everything with your soul? <laughs> Every week she told me he'd say that. <laughs> but it actually, it really helped her. Because she, like, well, she would stop and think. Because sometimes you just don't stop and think. In other words, how, how's your relationship with the Lord? Well, you know, uh, I didn't understand growing up that uh, righteousness is not produced through a life of right living. You know, I used to, I used to equate righteousness much with how uh, some denominations, large denominations headquartered in, in, in Europe in a country called Italy, um, would equate saints. So I used to think like, my thinking was like righteousness, that you would actually 
become righteous maybe right before you die if you worked really hard, but definitely when you get to heaven. But that's not how righteousness happens. Uh, I was ministering to righteousness when I, at that church in Michigan, Resurrection Life, when I was there, and uh, this man, he was a shorter fella, about, about this tall, and uh, he's probably 60 years old, so he was you know, 20, 30 years older than me than I was at the time. And um, so uh, I think he grew up his whole life thinking that same way. And I said in the message, same thing I'm going to say right now, the way that you become righteousness, righteous is the same way that you're born male or female. I, I need to say this, in biological gender. <laughs> Apparently I do. Okay. How? You're born that way. I was not born and then I became a male. I was born a male. Well, so how do you become righteous? You are born righteous. It comes as being part of the family. I mean, imagine me having children and saying, okay, my children, you have to earn right standing with me. You have to earn a place of favor with me. You know, like little Fenton. He's not trying to earn favor. He doesn't even know what favor means. <laughs> there you are. He likes, to, he likes to help me preach, and he likes to worship. And pretty much when I pray, Fenton's, Fenton's praying with me. Yeah. <laughs> and so, but how do you get that? You are born that way. It comes with your new life. Second Corinthians 5.17. Let's turn over there real quick. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. We've been quoting it, but you know how good it is to let your eyes fall on it? And uh, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all, where, where, where'd they come from? Where'd you come from when you became born again? What happened? Who's the author of this? What's the source of this? And all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. Just for a second, just because I like spreadsheets. I, I tell people that work with me, I think in spreadsheets. Put that in a spreadsheet so I'll understand it. Well, this is what God is saying. Put it on a spreadsheet like an accountant would, and count it up. And I have counted up that you have been made right with God. As much of the ability and the detail that God himself has and can produce and can exercise, he has reconciled us right with himself. <laughs> he has made us right with himself. He said, you're not wrong with me. You're not on the wrong side. I didn't wake up on the wrong side of the bed. I don't even sleep or slumber. <laughs> the Bible says that. God doesn't ever sleep or slumber. So we're on the right side of God when you are born again. How do you get on the right side of God? Who gives you access to the right side of God? His one and only son, Jesus Christ our Lord. It is by him and through him and with him that we receive all of the goodness and all of the gifts and all of the favor of God. Hallelujah. You ever met somebody? And, and, and you have a friend, and the friend introduced you to this person. 
Maybe it's at work or something like that. You go into work with your friend or somehow you meet your friend's colleague. And they say, well, it's nice to meet you. I don't know much about you, but you must be somebody very special because if they are your friend, I'll do anything for you. Think of the rapport that we have with God because of Jesus. Because he brought us in. Like you're not going in alone. You don't have to be fearful like the, like the Israelites were in the desert. Like, Lord, don't speak to us. Like, have Moses speak to us. No, 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 no. We come in with the very life, blood, and presence of Christ. We're not there alone. We're no longer alone. You know, Jesus actually, you know, he knew that this would be a concern of ours. And so he said, I am not going to leave you comfortless. You know, comfort, you know, I got to talk about comfort for a second, but you know, it's not like comforter, you feel comfy and cozy on a cold, rainy day like this. But the Holy Spirit, He is the one that emboldens us and invigorates us and makes us able to cope more than cope, actually, with life. And, you know, that's Barclay that said that. And cope means, doesn't mean like I have to like endure this thing. It means I am more than a conqueror through Christ who loved me. But in the world, you'll have troubles, but you're more than an overcomer. You cannot overcome anything if there's nothing to overcome. But we're not left without comfort, Jesus said, because why? My spirit is going to come and to live inside of you at least till you're 40. (laughs) At least till you're 80. Well, while you live on the earth. No, he said forever. I had to point that out because was it one of my kids? Somebody asked me, said, does the Holy Spirit live with you forever? Or like, no, they said, when does the Holy Spirit leave you? Or something like that. And I said, the Holy Spirit never leaves you. Never. You're never alone. You're never on your own. You have a connection to the the vine or the life of God for all eternity. And not only that, the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, he's not going to speak for himself or of himself. But whatever he hears, that's what he's going to say. Well, who's he hearing? God the Father, Christ the Son. You study in humility, the Holy Spirit. He won't force himself on you. He won't make you do something. But man, he loves you. He'll invite you. He'll make every opportunity. He will overshadow you. He, he specializes in chaotic things. <laughs> right? Who was in the beginning when the earth was without form and void and chaos, one translation says, was over the deep? And then the Holy Spirit hovered over the chaos and brought it into order. So, I mean, you can't have too much disorder for him. Uh, the problem is you're not yielding to him. You're not, you're not letting him do what only he can do. So you are the righteousness of God in Christ. Let's finish uh, the rest of that. Uh, to wit, verse 19, God was in Christ, amplifies my favorite in this, that God was personally present in Christ, reconciling the world unto favor with himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, but and has committed unto us the word, or one translation says, the ministry of reconciliation. 
Now we are ambassadors for Christ. In other words, we just pray that the Holy Spirit will go tell people about Jesus and we sit at home. This is saying what we do. God was personally present in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself or to favor with himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and has committed to the angels the word of reconciliation. No. Has committed to the Holy Spirit the word of... No. Has committed to us the word of reconciliation. There is life in your words when you're speaking God's words. Now we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's place or Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. For, here we go. For he, that is God, has made him, that is Christ, to be sin for us who knew no sin. That means Christ knew no sin. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Hallelujah. We have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I was on a mission trip to Mexico in 2001, riding on a bus through the mountains, and I thought, I hope they don't drive off the edge. I was praying, <laughs> praying in the spirit, and I'm like, oh, you know, thinking they don't have the same laws and regulations here, and, you know, we're really close to that edge. And anyhow, I was meditating on this, and I, I, I was just sitting there, we're driving like 24 or 30 of us in this bus, and I was meditating the righteousness of God, and I am the righteousness of God. Like, I am God's righteousness. I am what's right about God. And I got some light on that, and I started uh, meditating that, and I thought, my goodness. You think about the goodness of God and the mercy of God and how right God is, that no matter how wrong or how much of a mistake you have made, that if you want to see how right and righteous and holy and awesome God himself is, look at his life power to transform someone who was destined to hell for all eternity because no sin can live in the presence of God, that God himself has made us his righteousness. That is the power of God. You're what's right about God. The new creation is what's right about God. I mean, you think about that. In other words, there are no defects to the new creation. He didn't make like an unholy new creation. He didn't make like a, a, a new creation that he like put a cast on and maybe put bionics inside of so that you could actually run extra fast when something was added to you. No, he like scrapped the whole old thing and said, let's start all over. And now, instead of like having a bionic hand or a bionic arm, from your very core, you have been uh, united with my spirit, he said. You're one with me. So we're one. Hallelujah. So we are the righteousness of God in Christ. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink. 
So don't get, don't get distracted on all of these other little things and disputes and thoughts and everything else that could try to come in. But the kingdom of God is what? Righteousness. And we'll get into these other ones next week. Peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. So in other words, that's what we're to be about because we're about the kingdom. You know, people, are, people that don't understand being right with God are constantly trying to get right with God. People, people will not walk into the doors of this building when they know church is happening because they feel like I have to clean myself up to come to God. That is not possible. All the cleanup has already been done. You must be born again. Jesus said you must be born from above. How, like how can this happen? Nicodemus was asking, like trying to understand all this. He said, you know, Nicodemus, you're natural. You're thinking in natural ways. So you're thinking like, can I go again in my mother's womb? He's like, no, 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 no. A totally different level, totally different dimension here. We're talking like in the fourth dimension. Spirit, in the spirit. I find if I say that, then people go research it, so they, they read good books. Okay, so <laughs> the kingdom of God is not all of these natural things, but it is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And Jesus came, and he is the prince of peace. He is the representative of peace. He is peace personified. And when Jesus comes, the whole world is looking for peace. Just like parents with a lot of children. The whole world is looking for peace. Peace with God. And most people don't know you can have peace. And you can receive peace. Stand with me if you would. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here this morning and you don't know the author of life, the prince of peace, Jesus Christ himself. He died for you. There's nothing you could do on your own. There's nothing you could produce. Uh, there's not a good enough things or enough good things that you could do in order to curry God's favor, in order for him to look and say, okay, you've done enough. Uh, you deserve this. That's not how God works. He works by faith, by trusting him. And so each and every person on the earth, as many as received Jesus to them he gave the right to be the children of God. Your relationship with God is not produced through what you could do or what you have done or what you did not do. You're not driven away because what you didn't do. But relationship with God the Father and his son Jesus comes through receiving Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, confessing him as Lord, believing that God raised him from the dead and you shall be saved. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you'd like to, uh, I'd love to pray with you and pray for you. Just slip up your hand. God loves you and he has a plan for you and for your life. If you're here and you were living for the Lord, but uh, you let other things get in and push you away, you're not right with God and you'd like to get right with God again. Just come back to the Father. Like the prodigal son. If that's you and you'd like to do that, just slip up your hand. I'll pray with you and for you. Lastly, if you're here this morning and you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, there is an experience after salvation. Jesus 
called the baptism of the Holy Spirit, or Paul called the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, receiving the Holy Spirit. Well, when you're born again, you actually are born of the Spirit. But there is another experience afterward called being baptized in the Holy Spirit, where you receive power to be a witness and power to live the life of God. If you'd like to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, you'd like us to pray with you, just slip up your hand. We'll pray with you and for you. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your kingdom. That your kingdom is not sadness and gloom and despair and difficult difficulties, but it is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Father, I pray for each one of us right now. Father, that your words that we heard this morning will take deep root in our hearts, that we'll be doers of the word and not just hearers only. Father, that we'll live a life with the consciousness that you have made us right with you by the blood of Jesus, that will yield to your peace and will stay full of your joy, which is our strength, that will live a life that's so attractive to the world that they come and say, I got to have what you have, Father. We thank you for giving us such freedom, such freedom in him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 With every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm going to read uh, one passage of scripture and then we'll finish. Psalms chapter 40. Psalms chapter 40. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me, and he heard my cry. He brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my goings. And he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm going to read that one more time. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me, and he heard my cry. He brought me up also out of a horrible pit. The margin says a pit of noise. Out of the miry clay and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. He has put a new song in my mouth even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. Hallelujah. Our trust in God and our demonstration of our trust in God, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Many shall see and fear and trust in God. He brought me out. He brought you out. He's, a, he's the master of bringing people out of a miry clay in a deep pit. Hallelujah.